yeah, we're going to be carrying on today about uh, with the prayer series, and uh, I've been really. Uh, for those of you who are part of a community group, what is what's your thoughts? Has it been good? It's been. Uh, we had. We've just started our twenty-somethings group, which I said to the guys, "Listen, I'm the only one here that's not twenty-something." Style myself, but they kind of they let me into their crew. So for the next foreseeable future, I'm still in my twenties. Um, but we'll see if that may change later. But we had a, just an incredible time just talking about prayer, discussing prayer, praying for one another. And prayer is really the lifeblood of a local church. It's, it's obviously God and the Holy Spirit, He does it. But John Wesley said, God uh, doesn't move unless there's a believing prayer. Now, I believe God, there's the sovereign will of God where God's working out things all according to His pattern and plan. But uh, if you've looked throughout history, God has moved when people got on their knees and they prayed. And we are trusting always for God to come and move in, in our space. So I want to start off with a little story, uh, which is the City Light story. Um, some of you who have been with us from the beginning, it's, it's good for us to kind of look back at our past and say, God, what, what have you done? And the reason I'm doing this is because we're talking today about, it's simple, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I believe that in God's heart and mind, He saw all of you sitting here four or five years ago. Some of you have come to faith in Jesus in this church. Some of your marriages have been healed. Some of you have uh, found your spouses and got married and have kids in this church. This is the, uh, it, it's something of this, the, the seed of faith that grows in people's lives. And we, we, we in a way, are becoming a tree that people are going to perch on. And, and is just life-giving. God's doing something. And I'm, I'm stoked to be part of it. And I, I hope you are as well. So I want to just share some of the story through pictures of what we've walked through, especially for new people. A lot of you would have seen this over our fifth birthday, but that is the original 12. Rams and I up in the corner, Real and Nadine, uh, Chantal and uh, Adam. <laughs> it was five years ago, guys. Okay. My mom always has her eyes closed in photos. Lethle, um, Shane and Jeanette, whose wife's not in the photo. My wife, Starla, and obviously Clint and Liesl. Um, we started in our home. Just a few people who we thought would be keen to be involved in what we're doing. And uh, we had no clue. No one else had a clue. Some people came and joined us and they didn't know what a church was or what a church plant was. So they were, we were like, we'll take anyone. Just it doesn't matter if you've left 15 churches. We found out that those people aren't very helpful in the long run. But anyway, we started the church and um, God, God's hand. So can we just flip through the photos? That is me preaching. White shoes. Um, next photo. Um, that is the Comodine. That was kind of our launch thing that we had. And there was, we, we had like, Starla's parents brought about 15 people. We had friends that came. And we were sitting there and we had like 90 people. And we were like, Jesus is alive in Dubai. There is revival breaking out. And uh, then the week after that, we had 20. So it was, so we, we shrunk the church, which was cool. Um, and also, sorry, we also have Dave and Vanessa here with us. Do you want to just wave your hand? Dave, Dave preached a couple of weeks ago. Vanessa, they're on eldership with Starla's parents, and they lead a, a campus and a site church in the south of Johannesburg. Incredible. He's one of my heroes. I've said it many times, but it's about Jesus today, Dave. Okay, can't always be about you. Okay, next photo. Um, that's our worship team. I don't know what is happening with my hair um, or the style. And Rams looked very intense. We had pregnant Ladies, we had someone on Congo drums. Next one. 
Um, and then we moved to the cricket stadium, um, which we met inside of, it was the, the, the Pakistan national team's change room. And we, we, I mean, it smelled like sweat, if I'm honest, like, and it, we had to clean up and stuff. But it was an amazing, amazing venue. We loved it. Uh, the church grew quite a lot there until they started having cricket matches. Then they asked us to leave. Um, and then we moved to the fridge. Kind of in between this, there was a whole bunch of different little venues, but I'm kind of giving you some a highlight reel here. The fridge was a, a very hot warehouse, even hotter than the warehouse you're sitting in right now. Down the road, uh, we met in there for a while. God did some cool stuff, but then we were on a church on a move. We, we met in villas. We can go to the next photo. Next one. That was uh, the second or third Scarlet. First. That, this is, yeah, this is, Glow was the first year, second year. Uh, they played everything to uh, a click track and to, it was basically a bit of karaoke, but the worship was awesome. Um, God still came. Um, incredible time. The, week, the year after, we, had, we didn't have enough drummers or anything, so we, we hired this one guy who did drums and sound. So he would sit at the back playing drums and controlling the soundboard. Doesn't work. We were completely out of time, uh, but we just went forward anyway. We just, I think we looked back in those moments. We're like, what are we? We had no clue. Next photo. Yeah, we only had a kick drum. Now we've got three drum, four drummers now. Um, and that's literally, as you can see, is just going for it, just giving it all for Jesus. Um, that's a cool photo, actually. We'll remember that. It was Mumford and Sons every week, so it was just like, anyway. Um, next, we didn't have a venue, so we met in Ramanushi's villa. Next photo. We could just, and then we moved to the warehouse. This is what the warehouse looked like before there was anything. There was a mezzanine that covered this, basically this whole thing. Uh, and yeah, amazing. We took us, we were like, in, that is about February, March, and we were like, oh, we're going to be in in two months, only six months later, with much fighting with contractors and all that kind of thing. Did we actually move into our venue? Um, then the next one, us cleaning the venue, it was bad. 52 outside, a little bit hotter inside. It was exciting. Um, next one, you can carry, you can flick through the rest, Jenny. Those are your bathrooms. They made the wall wrong, so they moved it anyway. There's details you didn't have to know. Okay. So anyway, we came from there to where we are now, and God is continually moving us on and continually asking us to ask bigger and greater things. When Stahl and I, if you, you can take the photo. Oh, that's our first worship team practice. Yeah? It's great. Cool. Thanks, Jenny. Um, God is always wanting us to, to, to ask Him for more. A few years ago, if you had to say that this hall is going to be full or almost full, I would have been like, that's just going to take a miracle. But here we are sitting today, God's done something. And I think, can we just honor God? First of all, that's amazing. And I've got a big idea that I want to bring across today. And it's a simple line. is that we partner with God in prayer to see His kingdom come. We're praying this prayer, and I want to read it from Matthew 6. If you want to turn there, Matthew 6, verse 5. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that it brings life to us. We thank you, Jesus, that what you've started in City Lights, we know, Lord God, that you're going to bring it to completion. And our eyes are ever gazing at, at greater things that you have for us, Father. 
greater things to be done in the city and in the nations of this planet. We thank you, God. Let's go from, uh, yeah, let's just go from verse, verse 9. It says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We learned last week, first of all, that our Father is a good Father in heaven. He's, there's this majesty of who God is, but He's also this loving Father who draws us in. God, Jesus' ultimate, uh, what, he, what He was trying to portray to us on the planet, that God is a good Father. And he, and he kept showing that over and over. The different encounters Jesus had with people. He took people who are broken and he made them whole. He says, hallowed be your name. And we spoke about what it means to hallow something. It means to make that thing holy. And it's, we have to put God first as holy. Not our job, not our career, not our money, not all of these things. But we put Jesus first. And he says, if we seek first the kingdom, everything else will be added unto us. It says, uh, and then we're looking at this today. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts uh, as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. We're going to talk on forgiveness in a few weeks' time. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will the Father Forgive your trespasses. There's some amazing stuff that we're going to look at there. But today we're looking at simply your kingdom come, your will be done, talking to God on earth as it is in heaven. And I love the song choice because it brought us to a place of that's, that's what we're wanting to see. And uh, we've seen God's kingdom come and break in, in our midst. And what, a, what an incredible privilege. There's been stories where Stahl and I and, and others have gone out and ministered in different nations, and we've seen the manifest presence of God come and heal people. We've seen people in this church healed. It's the kingdom of God. It's this invisible realm breaking into the visible. So just simply, I want to just paint a, a quick picture of what these three statements mean and how, because once we know what they are, we can actually pray accurately behind them. It says, your kingdom come. So a kingdom basically is a kingdom, is a realm in which uh, the will and power of the king is expressed. There's an invisible realm. And Starla woke up this morning and was praying, and she felt God say that, there's, that there's something of the invisible realm is going to come and touch the physical realm this morning. And that's what our prayers do. And I'm going to illustrate that later. That's why I've got a whiteboard up there. We live in a city that is, that is a kingdom. It's the, it's, uh, it's the Emirates of Dubai, but it can be called the Kingdom of Dubai. There's a set of rules that, that govern this kingdom. You step out of that, you get punished. You, uh, you, you live under that and you obey them, you can flourish. And uh, I had a, an, a car accident, I've shared this before, but about seven, eight years ago, when I first, just after I first arrived in Dubai, and it was not fun. I uh, got my passport taken away immediately. Got, uh, got sent kind of to jail. I went through a red traffic light. Basically, okay, it's, uh, there was a traffic light. There wasn't one, and then the next day there was. And then, uh, anyway, so I overtook this truck because I, dri- I was driving a little bit fast. I'm going to confess my sins. But I wasn't over the speed limit. Anyway, so I overtook this truck, and as I overtook, there were other cars coming the other way, and I hit one of the cars, flipped on its side. My, the, the, the airbag hit my face. It was all kind of a blur, and then my passport got taken away. In the end, I had to just pay for the guy's car. Thankfully, by the grace of Jesus, he was okay. Can we just give Jesus an applause for that? Because I'd still be in jail. Um, 
And uh, anyway, they basically, I stepped onto the wrong side of the law, and it was un- very uncomfortable. And, uh, but if you obey the law in this country, you can flourish. And, uh, and I think in some ways, it's like that with the kingdom. It's, like, it's a very kind of small picture of what the kingdom of God is. But there's a certain way, uh, and a way to get into the kingdom, and there's a way that God operates within the kingdom that He calls us into so we can flourish. Uh, I want to, just as an example, there's, uh, I don't watch football like British football, Premier League, UEFA, but my brother-in-law does, and he loves Man United. Who's a Man United fan? There's only two, three. Okay, there we go. There's some Arsenal fans here as well, I know. My wife is an unofficial Arsenal fan. Um, but whether you like Man United or not, you have to like Alex Ferguson. I think he's this incredible leader who took a, pl- a club from nothing and made them for a season the best in the world. Uh, then apparently not like that any- anymore. I-, I messaged my brother-in-law said, how's your team going? He says, we suck. And um, so he's very angry with Man United at the moment. Apparently they're not doing well. I wouldn't know. So I-, I got all my information from him and he knows what's happening. But Alex Ferguson came in to the club and he built... He built a culture within the club that caused the people to thrive under that. There were, there were some of the best footballers in the world that came in and through his club and under his leadership. He was this father figure who they respected. He was very strong. And he had a few things. I just want to, he, he set high standards and held everyone to them, even if you were paid millions of pounds. He says he always wants people to lean forward. He wants, he wants to know by their body language, that they're actually interested in what he is saying. He felt it very important. He was a father figure to many. He knew everyone's names, which is amazing. Stalo was watching his leadership thing on the plane, and he would know people from the junior teams to the senior teams. He, he knew something. He, he, he cared for the people in that. And obviously, when you're in a football club, winning is everything. Am I right? Winning is everything. And, uh, and then the biggest thing that he pushed is that no man is bigger than the organization. So no matter whether you were Beckham or Rooney or whatever it was, you were never bigger than the organization. So for me, what I want to illustrate there is that he set a, a, a set of rules under which these players can come and flourish. And that's what God does with us. There's a kingdom that is invisible. And I think every week when we teach and we, we go through the Word of God and we preach the gospel, we're actually teaching what it, what it is like to live in the kingdom. I encourage you to go read through the whole of Matthew, but it's particularly Matthew 5, 6, 7, where it speaks about the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' longest recorded preach within one setting. will probably take about 15 minutes to read. Again, Jesus never, it doesn't seem that Jesus ever preached long. But just, he was painting a picture of what it would look like if heaven came to earth, that as Christians, how we should live amongst one another. The kingdom is a city of God. It has a culture and I, I think, a lo- especially what I grew up in, we, we tend to look at Jesus and the, and the church and even the kingdom as a bit of an escapist type thing. So we, we get, um, sorry, it's our ticket out of hell, basically. So instead of going to hell, we go into heaven, and then we just, we, we focus on that all the time. We actually, God is calling us in this prayer to bring heaven to earth. It's our responsibility to, to command heaven to come down and and be amongst us. So, I want to draw some pictures now. We're going to, hopefully everyone can see, but okay, this is, let's say that this is 
a circle. And I drew almost a perfect circle yesterday. It didn't really work. Okay, so, so let's say this is the world, a physical. There's five senses. Whoa, this is, you can read that that says five senses, okay? And we see, we feel, we touch, we, we, we know what it's like to live on this planet. But then there's the kingdom of God. I'm just going to write the kingdom. There's an unseen reality. Jesus said, when he came to that, he says, repent for the kingdom is at hand. He didn't say repent for the kingdom of God is up there somewhere. It's at hand. It's close. And then it's just this, there's an invisible realm that we cannot see that, that, is, that is right with us right now that at times intersects with our world. And what starts to happen is that when we pray, when we preach the gospel, when we move the kingdom forward, there's a colliding of two worlds. And I feel like that's, that's what we need to be praying. That's what it means when we pray, God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are longing for a day when you're going to have the world, the physical world, and then you're going to have the kingdom of God come and totally overtake a new heaven and a new earth. That is going to happen one day. But until that time, we're living here. We live in the tension. We live in a time where, where we feel like, God, you, you, you're so close. Whatever I touch turns to gold. Whoever I pray for is healed. And there's times where you're like, you step back and like, God, are you even there? I don't, I don't understand it. Everything is going wrong in my life. Then there's times where it comes back together. And I feel like there is, the, in the kingdom of God, that, for me, this helped me to understand what prayer is and what the kingdom and how it intersects with our world. That you have the world that is one way, that has its own set of values. And you have another, the kingdom of God, which is obviously God. He is the ruler and the king. I'm going to go through quickly. Number one, the kingdom is ruled by God. He is absolutely in charge of, obviously, the whole world. But there's, there's, a, there's a sovereign rule that God has over the kingdom of God. And it's a, it's a kingdom of love, justice, peace, and righteousness. Romans 14, 17 says this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, which is it's not in the physical, but it's of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is an incredible, incredible scripture that, that the kingdom of God, if we want to filter what is the kingdom of God, it has to come into righteousness, Brings us peace, brings us joy, and it's with the Holy Spirit. Anything outside of that is, is not the kingdom of God. Eugene Peterson says, says this. He wrote the message. The church is a colony of heaven in a country of death. That is what we are. The, we are expressing, we aren't the kingdom of God. We are expressing this invisible kingdom to this planet who doesn't know Jesus. He doesn't know that there's a king who is good and is righteous and one day is going to rule the whole earth. And the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. And he's going to come and he's going to totally overtake this physical world, the pain, the grief, the disappointment. And it's going to, it says there's going to be no shedding of tear. And for me, that's, we long for that day. And I think that's the tension we live in as believers. There's tough things that go down in our life. There's life that happens to us. But we know that one day, there's going to be heaven on earth fully. We enter the kingdom through Jesus. There is no other way to get into the kingdom of God. And let me say that everyone's invited. Jesus has invited everyone. If you have not given your life to Jesus this morning, He wants to invite you into His kingdom. 
You may not understand all of it. I, I remember when I first kind of came back to God, I knew I had to. I didn't understand it all. I had questions, but I knew that I had to be part of a different kingdom. And uh, Jesus said this. He says, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. There has to be a spiritual rebirth. Third thing, the kingdom exists but not fully. I've, I've explained that briefly, but theologians call it, it's the already but not yet. I think there's probably a better way to explain that, but Jesus came and he, and he brought the kingdom of God, and when we operate within the kingdom, we're spreading the kingdom, but it's not yet fully realized. And like I said, I've said this many times, we are a people that look to the future, and we pull the, we pull the future back to the present, and we say, in heaven, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. There's, there's, there's absolute justice in heaven for those who are oppressed, for those who are raped, for those who are going through tough times. There's justice. There's peace in heaven. We bring it back. We are the carriers of the kingdom of God. The kingdom, so what have I said here? Number four, the kingdom comes here and now. And this is when God just breaks in. It's this moment here where the two worlds collide. God comes in. Uh, and like I, I've been telling, I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, we've been, had a season for the past few months where God has just been blessing us in, in, in different ways by different people, all very specific uh, numbers, diff- different things that are happening. But I know it's God doing something because he, spe- he always speaks to us through those certain numbers and, and times and dates and, and all that stuff. So we know that God is he's orchestrating something. But then there's been times where we just like, stop, we, we're going to have to live on the credit card this month. We've got nothing. Like, and, uh, and I just think it is that in and out, tension. The kingdom is here and now. The kingdom has authority. I want to read Matthew 28. Can we put the ver- it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's to Jesus. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of, in the, name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is an incredible, so much in there, but what Jesus says that all authority on the earth has been given to Jesus. And what does he do? He gives us that authority. That, for me, is the most mind-blowing thing, is that God could just leave us out of the picture completely, but he actually comes and says, cool, I want to advance my kingdom, but I'm looking for a son, I'm looking for a daughter who knows me, and I'm going to partner with them to see the kingdom move forward. What an incredible privilege we have. I just wrote down here, John Wesley, some of you may know he started the Methodist movement, but his preaching literally changed the nation. England at the time was, was degrading into semi-paganistic uh, style of, of, of uh, just on, on every level it was just going bad he comes and he preaches preaches the righteousness of God he preaches the peace of God he preaches Jesus and him crucified and literally it changed England it changed the colonies through that there was an abolishment of slavery amongst the, much of the known world and that is the kingdom of God that comes in and breaks in the next line is this we have a water It's a little bit of a teach this morning, but it's good for us to understand, okay? I don't normally head into teaching. I'll leave that for Andy and Bruce. But um, secondly, the, the will of God. So there's, 
There's the world, there's the kingdom, but then within this kingdom there is the will of God, what he, his ways, his will, what he wants. And if you look at the word, the Greek word here for, for the will, it's actually thelema or thelema. It means this, to desire or wish properly. It's often referring to, to God's preferred will. And if you look at most of the time in the New Testament, you'll see the word, that word for will, where God's, God always gives us free choice. Isn't that amazing? He, he, he'll never go against our free choice. In His sovereignty, he's, he's put that in place, which is unbelievable. And I'm, I'm going to kind of balance it on the other side now. But if you look, there's another word for plan or will. It's, it's bulema. In Romans 9.19, it says, You will say to them, Why does he still find fault? Who can resist his will? Now, the word for will there is the absolute will of God. That is his sovereign plan, his sovereign will. There's things that are set in stone that are not going to change. But then there's the other will that sits underneath that. That is the, the Thelema will that, that God puts in front of us. Jesus even says it in Luke twenty two forty two. It says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus is talking about that preferred will, that, that he ha- Jesus had the choice and he chose to die for us. And I think when we speak, when we see the will of God, and we know that ultimately God is going to work all things for His good and all things according to His purpose, which I fully believe in, fully hold to sovereignty of God. But I do believe this, that within that, God gives us thelema. He gives us free choice. He he gives us a choice to choose something or not, Uh, whether it's a calling of God. God could be calling some of you, and some of you have been saying no. That's God's preferred choice is that you say yes and you follow his path, but some of you have been saying no. And that's, that for me, it's, it's, it's living in the tension. That, so in, and for me, the exciting part about this is that when God says, I've got a preferred will, what you have to do is pray it into being. That clearly God's, if we look around the world today, there's been some terrible stuff happening and there will be until Jesus comes back. Clearly, we can see that, that God's will is not completely across this planet. Overall, it is, and it's going to all point towards Jesus one day, and uh, we're, going to, we're going to love Him, and it's going to be, the, the world is going to be utterly changed. But we need to, while we are this side of eternity, we're saying, God, would your will be done? Would you come and, and change things? Would you come and change the city? And I think the tension we often live in is that, I was speaking to some people this morning about prayers and answered, unanswered prayers. There's the great, some of the greatest theologians in the world who are way smarter than I'll ever be cannot answer that. There's a mystery attached to our King and our Creator that we have to just go, actually, and that's when you lean back and say, God, we know you're good and you're sovereign and you're going to work things out. For me, at least that's me. You can believe otherwise. That's fine as well. So that's what I see in Scripture. And then I just want to end on this, on earth as it is in heaven. And it's the clash of the two worlds. You've got one side, which is God's kingdom, which is life, righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Then the other side, which is the kingdom of darkness, the Bible speaks about, which is sin, death, anxiety, sadness, pain, disorder. And we know that Whenever you advance the kingdom of God, there's going to be resistance. Paul said this clearly in Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. There is a clash not only with the, the ways 
and, uh, of this world which is kind of covered in sin, but there's also a clash with the spiritual world as we advance the kingdom forward. And for me, the amazing thing that we get to be participators in bringing God's kingdom to this planet. That what I do, what I don't do matters. How I give, how I handle my money, how I love my wife, how I, I love you guys, how I, how I preach this, this the, what I do matters. The integrity that I carry in my life could either push the kingdom of uh, darkness forward or could push the kingdom of light forward. The kingdom of God breaks in. We, that's when we start to see just healing of the sick. Uh, the, the story of Peter when he used to walk be, across... Um, and I've got a little shadow going here, but he used to walk across the sick and his shadow would touch the people and they become instantly healed. I'm saying, God, would, would you do that again? I think we live in between times when God is doing some incredible stuff and I think we definitely are on an app. If you look what God is doing at churches across the world, there's thousands of people being saved, there's, there's people being healed, there's a restoration of us understanding God in all of his fullness and we are, we are on the, the, the edge of God doing something incredible, even in the city. This us meeting is not normal. There's resistance. I can tell you, a lot of you don't know, but there's resistance at most, most turn because the, the enemy does not want this church or churches in the city to advance. But we stick together. We keep praying. We keep longing. We say, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on this planet, in this city, in Dubai, in my life, over my marriage as it is in heaven. It's actually a command. The, another way of translating it could be, instead of saying, uh, God, let your will be done. It says, will, your will be done. Kingdom come. And it's a commanding that we can, we can actually partake with Jesus Christ. Can we all stand to our feet, please?